Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Sports Medicine Broadcast. We're talking cannabis basics for athletic trainers. We're live at the Dragonfly Max Podcast Lounge here in Las Vegas during NATA 2019. We're here with Dr. Jeffrey Conan, Jeff Conan here to talk about some education pieces about cannabis and, and why do we need to know it as athletic trainers. Um, go ahead and join in the conversation at sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash cannabis. Dr. Conan, welcome. How did you get into this? Uh, interesting question, right? Uh, here's, here's Conan walking around the exhibit hall and he's telling everybody about cannabis. Yeah. What, what has he lost his mind? So I, I've been involved with continuing education workshops for a long time. And over the last year, many of the workshops that I've been teaching have been on the topic of concussion, mm -hmm. sport concussion. So I happened to be out in the West teaching a, a cannabis, or, or, sorry, concussion workshop. And there was a physical therapist in the audience, actually, and he was from San Francisco, California. And he raised his hands and he asked a question in front of the group. And he said, a lot of my patients, actually, recreationally, take marijuana. Okay. And if they have a concussion and they come see me for treatment and they're having memory problems and other issues, should I actually encourage them not to take the marijuana mm -hmm. so I can get a good, accurate assessment? And of course, I mean, to me, the logical answer was, well, yeah, of course you would. But I honestly had never been in that situation personally as a clinician to know the right answer. The second question he asked was, well, what about my patients who don't? And they have a post-concussion now, and they have anxiety, and they're having difficulty sleeping, and maybe some migraines. Might it be important to ask them to consider trying some form of cannabis uh, to see if that helps their symptoms? Right. And again, to me, logically, it sounded like it made sense, but A, I didn't have, again, experience firsthand, and B, I was a little less comfortable suggesting that he offers medical marijuana to somebody, uh, right. absence of other information. But that led me on this inquiry of cannabis, and how prevalent is it, and where is it, and, and what does it mean to us in a healthcare setting? And I came to learn really fast that medicinal marijuana is legal in 33 states already. 33 states. Right in the District of Columbia. Columbia. So it's not coming here, it's here. And it's gonna impact, and it already does impact all of our settings. So that set me on a real fascinating journey of educating myself to learn more about it. The more I learned about it, quite simply, the more I realized everyone else needs to learn some of this that I'm learning about to be an educated practitioner. Yeah, especially with a lot of, like you said, 33 states are legal with medical marijuana. You're getting more and more with recreational use. So you're seeing uh, more and more people really softening their tone with marijuana use, right? Um, I, I, a little bit ago, I actually worked with a drug prevention company uh, or, or organization, and um, I even myself had a fairly, you know, hard line about marijuana use and cannabis use. And then I started realizing and, and, and educating myself a little bit more on it, so that way... There is something there. We're finding out more. There's more research coming out. And those questions are now being populated, right? And, and it's led me down a road of if this is something that's beneficial for um, people in pain, and people who are suffering from anxiety, depression, things like that, um, that cannabis could potentially help, then as a healthcare provider, we definitely need to be aware of it, number one, because it is becoming more and more legal, but aware of it because it is, it is used as a medicine in multiple states. You know, and what you just said is exactly what I state everywhere I speak. There is something there. So I'm not actually out advocating for the full use of any form of cannabis. Right. 
But there is something there is the most accurate statement relative to what I try to teach everybody. And so if you go back to the 70s, when Ronald Reagan was president, his wife Nancy had an initiative. And her initiative was say no to drugs. Right. And it was at that point in time, the government created what's called a classification schedule of drugs. They put them into one, six, one of six categories. Category one were a list of drugs that had the least benefit at all medicinally and were the most toxic and most dangerous. Right. LSD, heroin, and marijuana. So marijuana was classified from the 70s in a schedule one. And because of that, it's been 100% illegal, and we've not been able to study it. So we can study other forms of medicinals, right? And we get approvals to do so. But you can't get a study to do and randomly control and say, hey, listen, U10, I'm going to give heroin to. U10, nothing to. U10, Canada. And yeah. see what the results are. So we've been somewhat limited to study it. Now, there, are, there is a process you can study. It takes mm -hmm. about three various steps through the government. Uh, my understanding is about six to 10 years to get approved and, and about $50,000 worth of applications. That's not something in the budgets of what you and I typically do. Correct. Right? So what we learned, though, is that there are individuals who are taking various forms of cannabis, which is a plant, not a drug, a plant. And some portions of the cannabis are non-psychogenic whatsoever. So it doesn't create any form of toxicity, any psychogenic, any other nervous system changes that way that we typically know of as marijuana historically. The other thing we learned from the plant, that if you pull out what's called hemp, which is a is 0.3% of the THC, psychogenic effect, so it also has no psychogenic effects, it's actually one of the largest product importers and exporters from other countries. It makes paper, it makes gasoline oil, it can make fabrics, colognes, you name it. And so the initiative from last year, 2018, the farm bill that was signed by the president was really designed to bring out hemp and allow agricultural growth to uh, spark the industry and create another product for us to export. So for example, in my state of Florida, the medicinal marijuana component is not formed in the um, healthcare avenue and the Board of Health in the state of Florida. It's from agriculture because all this comes out of the plant. So going back to what you said, there's something there. I cross paths with a lot of individuals who have on their own tried various forms of CBD or THC and they all swear by whatever they found after maybe sometimes one or two tries of different products, but they find something they like, they get rid of 12 to 15 other pills, their ailments are going away. These are not people aged 18 to 22 telling me they're trying to get high. These are people that are older, that are sometimes on fixed incomes, but they're swearing by this that right. this has made a difference. And they're an N of one, and another N of one, and another N of one, and at some point in time, this can't just be total placebo, there has to be something there. Right, and I, you, you touched on that, you said there's two components to it, and then you, you talked about hemp. The two components that are very important that, that people need to understand, THC versus CBD, correct? What is the importance, what is the differences, and why do we need to know that? Right, so these are different portions of the plant when the plant is extracted. And so the CBD uh, actually is, comes in the form we call cannabinoids. Cannabinoids are in some two to 300 various versions that are found in a plant. And each of them have different properties and potentially different benefits. Some of these very same cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis plant as part of the CBD are in other things we grow. Rosemary, thyme, various other things that come out of the ground. Those have not been banned, obviously. We put them in our, right. our cooking every day. Uh, so, so CBD 
has these cannabinoids that have byproducts that allow the system, what's called the endocannabinoid system, to come back to an equilibrium phase. It's not a drug, it's a product that comes out of a plant that works in the system of your body that already exists. Anything that you receive as a benefit from CBD has zero psychogenic effects. THC is what has the psychogenic effects. That's what people have typically referred to as the marijuana, what they actually smoke. And these come in all different formats. How you put them in your body and how much you put in your body determines the effects it has. So for example, if you take THC, then obviously the more you take in your body, the um, lighter you weigh, the longer it will stay in your system and, and it has quicker effects right to the bloodstream. When you take other uh, devices such as the lotions you rub on or we hear people take gummy bears or edibles, uh, sometimes they're actually in drinks now, wherever you find those, those take, they have to go through the digestive tract first or percutaneous through the skin and they take longer to get into the bloodstream. They're longer lasting on the back end and they have no psychogenic effects though from that standpoint if it's only CBD. Now what people do believe though from a medicinal perspective is you should have a hybrid and that you don't want a pure THC or pure CBD. If you actually have some form of a hybrid, you get what's called an entourage effect. So you get the benefits of both of those. And the beauty is THC itself is not a, it's something we call a gateway drug. It's not addictive per se. Uh, there are actually zero deaths reported on history to this date from an overdose of THC or marijuana. It, so I'll ask you that question uh, of the zero deaths, zero overdoses, is there evidence of that statement that you just made? There's no evidence of an overdose from THC. Is there evidence of a non-overdose? I, I don't know if that would ever be published or printed anywhere or talked about. And that's even difficult too in itself of if there was a death, is there something else that contributed to that death, not just right, the THC right. in its own? Well, you can look at the toxicology reports and what you will see because elevated levels of THC are not impacting the system on a short-term basis. So people might talk about in chronic young smokers, for example, we're learning that there's a condition called hyperemesis, which is excessive and uncontrollable vomiting. And so that's a short-term condition. Ironically, um, this is being recorded in emergency rooms now, and the treatment for this is to stop the THC and take a shower, literally. So this is not, again, toxic, it's not gateway, et cetera. Now, there are also people who have um, published papers that talk about the effects of psychosis, secondary as a complication, and that is in uh, long-term adult smokers over many, many, many years, right. and also uh, you know, damage to your lungs, which you can smoke anything over the course of many, many years. That's not typically what we're talking about relative to CBD, THC, and athletic trainers and the patients that we work with. It's more of a short term, this is the condition that I have, what do you know about this? And so how can you learn about this is really, really important, right? Because the athletic trainer in many situations is a tasked with that education requirement to pass on to the patient, the student athlete. The other thing is, honestly, even though some of these products are sold over the counter and readily available like in CVS, I don't advocate, and, and the majority of the uh, professionals that are speaking about cannabis don't advocate any form of these to minors, uh, particularly because of the lack of testing itself. And even the medicinal marijuana, uh, if it's required for medicine for a complication that's not been resolved, there are really careful uh, laws in place that allow minors to have these. But outside of that, even the recreational, most of us that even talk about it, and I don't lecture at all on the, on the recreational, but the literature is suggesting that it's not it's only for adult use, and it should be for ages 25 or over. Correct. So it's a developed brain, at least when you put it in place. But the laws are, are being driven by the consumers. 
Uh, and they're electing officials who are pro-cannabis nowadays, and that's why you're seeing such a rapid movement of state laws being changed. And the government now at the federal level is starting to catch on and change some of these laws in terms of decriminalizing uh, anybody who has small amounts. Um, and they just passed a law the other day at the federal level that said we will not interfere with states who are passing laws related to medical marijuana or cannabis. Interesting. So I want to ask you a little bit about some of the uses of it, but I also want to talk about, I want to ask you the question, CBD oil, massive, huge, you see it everywhere. How do we know it's real? How do we know it's effective? How do we know that if I buy it on this uh, boutique store in downtown versus online through a famous NFL player that's promoting it? How do we know those are real? How do we know those are effective? So the beauty of that is you don't in most cases, right? So it's the same as a supplement, correct? Yeah, exactly. And so this is not regulated. This is not an industry that's regulated yet. And so that is the downside. In fact, there are studies that have been published where the authors have gone around to random stores and pulled off things from the shelves and then went in and studied those from a chemical basis and found zero CBD or even what's advertised in there. The other problem you have that's of great concern is that it's legal to put these out there and say 90% of the ingredients are proprietary. So we don't have to tell you. So you don't know 90% of what's being put in your body, even if you know the 10 that's on a label and that 10 is accurate. So you really, really don't know. The other piece of that is that really, it's really hard to identify a pure pure CBD or pure THC. So really everything is to a certain extent a hybrid. So when you're getting certain things and you don't know where it's coming from and you're being told it's only CBD, whether it's an oil or a lotion or anything else, you're never going to test positive whether it's for your job or for your sport, there's no guarantee that that in fact is the case. You really roll the dice on that. Um, at the end of the day, the athletic trainer is going to tell the patient the same thing they said all the time. This is what my recommendation is. It's always going to be on the conservative side. At the end of the day, you're responsible for what you put in, on, or around your body from that standpoint. So what are some of the uses of cannabis? Sure. So there's a lot of proposed uses. Now, first of all, there are some actual legal drugs that are on the market that are approved by the federal government. So, for example, there are two medications that are used for childhood seizures, epileptic seizures in young individuals. And those can be legally purchased and are covered through health care insurance. There's also uh, a medicine that's out there now that reduces the amount of nausea and vomiting from the results of chemotherapy in can terminal cancer patients. That is also approved and it has some great benefits. From a standpoint of ongoing research right now, there are studies that are looking at various forms of THC post-concussion. How can that be effective? We have studies that are looking at individuals with diabetes, multiple sclerosis, ALS. Informally, and what you'll see in a lot of subjective reporting back from people, for example, with uh, uh, over-the-counters type CBDs, uh, a reduction of inflammation, a reduction of localized pain. Um, they can have uh, any form of uh, situation where they have reduced anxiety. So you're seeing post-injury, someone is returning back to a sport, say, after being out two weeks, and they will find that they can reduce their anxiety and their worrisome level going back before that first play, that first hit, things like that, and they're getting benefits from this. The challenge we have, though, is what are they putting in their body to get these benefits, and where does that fall on the spectrum of where they play? What are the policies of the team that they're on or the university that they play for, even the state that they live in? So if you take someone who lives, for example, in Vermont, they could take cannabis or any form of marijuana legally uh, every given day. But if they go back to participate, it might be banned uh, as a team role. It may or may not be banned at the level they have it in their body and if they're drug tested, depending on if they're being tested through NCAA or others. And that brings up another issue from an international perspective. Uh, various forms of cannabis, uh, including THC, are legal in other countries. 
So if they're able to enhance your performance, now they may not enhance your performance like a steroid might, right. if you will, but they'll enhance it in terms of if you're reducing your muscle soreness, if you're reducing your anxiety, if you're reducing inflammation, they're certainly helping you recover faster. And, and athletes are training using these products, but when they, that's an international where they live. When they get into full international competition, now these products are banned and they no longer can stay on their same routine. So even in the U.S. where we have 38, or I'm sorry, 33 state laws that approve medicinal marijuana, we have 33 different laws, mm -hmm. and there's still a lot of questions. I receive questions on a lot of occasions from professionals who want to know what the liabilities are when they cross state lines, similar to our licensure compact challenges. Uh, if they have the ability to administer CBD, where they are in one state, but now they're going to travel to another state. A, can they travel with it on the plane? B, if the state they're going to doesn't allow it legally, can they get in trouble if they have it on their possession or they're administering, administering the CBD in those states? So there's honestly, there's no case law for this. A lot of it will be precedent set. And so one of my goals from the uh, perspective of how this impacts the athletic trainer is not to have 25,000 different athletic trainers giving opinions to the athletes about this. It's the wild, wild west right now. Right. And so what I'd like to do is see us put together, and we talked about this in the last couple of meetings I was at as an association, put together some references and some resources for the ATs to have as talking points, bullet lines, some really good educational things, including things to give the athletes and the, and the patients to pass on to them and say, here's where you can get your questions answered. If you're still not sure, the answer is don't put it in your body at this point in time. So where can I go to find information or research? I know you said you, we don't have it uh, you know, all in one place yet, but where is the best place for me to go and find that information, you know, to, to help formulate those ideas and those thoughts and plans, um, you know, as we're, we're seeing more and more legalization right, go on right. throughout the state. So there's a number of different websites that are fairly comprehensive, right? But what I would tell you as a consumer, here's the best thing to do. When you type in Google, as simple as it sounds, and you type in cannabis, you're going to get lots and lots of links that come back up. You need to decipher between what's a third-party objective link that's out there versus an individual has a hidden agenda who is promoting various aspects of what it's about. Um, you can certainly go to any governmental website, but you're going to see limited information on there because the government stance essentially is completely, it's still an illegal drug. So are you right? seeing anything at like the NIH or any of those websites? No, of those? no. These okay. are individual watchdog groups that are typically putting on their websites, and they have individuals who are as part of that, uh, not even as an employee basis, just to help them. And provide almost like a Wikipedia type approach, okay. provide information for them in these sites. The, the challenge also, though, is the information is changing day by day. Right. You know, a month ago, TSA put out a message that said, don't bring any form of CBD or THC on the plane. Three weeks after that, they put out a message that said, if you have your medical marijuana card, you can carry it on a plane with you. So the rules are changing, unless you're keeping up with them day by day. You really want to find places that have active current information. And it's hard, it is hard to do that. And so I would leave it to consumer to use their own judgment like they would with any other material. That's why we need to step up, and we need to have a place where we can put these resources so you know this is the go-to place that everyone's going to send the same message out to all the athletic trainers. Jeff, I work in the secondary school. What information can or should I be sharing with high school students. Yeah, so I think the first and foremost important thing is if you're in a state where marijuana recreationally has become legal, they may not be at the legal age still, but they'll have easier access to this, right? And you still want to impose on them that this is a serious, uh, it's a plant, but it's a serious substance that's going in your body in a developing brain. And so one of the things that we see is if we impact or impair a developing brain, you're going to lose your ability to calculate 
to understand and learn new languages. Your emotions are going to change, things of that nature. And, it, and a lot of people experiment at, at ages to try this, but if you're going to try this and stay with it, because you think it's not going to be as much of a penalty or it's legal, it's still not a good thing to put in your body at any point in time, let alone at, at a minor age. So that's the first thing. The second thing is from the CBD standpoint, uh, I think what we just talked about, it's, it's GNC round two, basically. Right. Right? All the products that are going out there, you just don't know what's going inside your body. And it's not any less safe if it's topical versus is ingested because if it still has the ability to go in. Now, unfortunately, what you can tell them is that, quite frankly, most of this is just expensive garbage because there really isn't anything in there that's Could be been a $50 tested dollar of bottle any value. Of it olive is, oil. It is. So it's typically, and, and so one of the interesting things is you have them go up and research and look up the products because they don't have to go through any type of scrutiny. You often see where it's made and who it's made from. And it's not uncommon to find a product with some crazy name. They thought this was good. They're using it. They read the person who came up with it as a second time or three time over convicted felon or convicted felon who was actually selling these in the previous round of supplements and now has just resurrected themselves in a new life now selling some form of CBD. So for me personally, I would highly recommend individuals if you feel that you have a need for that. Number one, speak to your physicians. And not all physicians are trained in this. And in fact, many physicians are traditional and are completely opposed to this. So speak to physicians who have an open mind maybe in terms of what they know about this. And then if that's the case, have it compounded. If you're gonna try it, have it come from a pharmacy so you know what's being put in there and they can tell you what's being put in there. Um, the last point I'll make on that is, the, as an athletic trainer, you have an obligation to actually answer those questions that you just asked me what you should say, because what we're finding out is that our patients actually are using this already. It might be CBD, it might be some form of THC, but they're all talking to each other. And if they ask you, well, what do you think about this? They're actually testing you. They might already be down that road. And if your answer is, no, don't do it, it's bad, they won't tell you if they're doing it now. So now you're treating them for one thing and you're competing against whatever else they're doing with the cannabis. The second piece of that is if, you're, um, if you don't know anything about it, not just you're against it, but if you don't know, they'll feel like they know more than you do already now. And so that takes away your credibility from everything else that you're doing with them. So I think we have a, a responsibility to just simply learn about this since it is here in many of our states. And for those of us that travel, it's crossing state lines to have that knowledge. And so our, our, my goal again for our association is to have some kind of standard language to help us educate our student athletes and as we learn more and more about this they might shift in a way where we have more knowledge and it's, and it's positive or in fact we might start studying it if the drug is reclassified and learning some things where actually it's not so helpful right. and maybe we'll back off of this i think that's that that's very important to, for people to understand we do have a lot of obligation to learn more about this so that we are able to give more informed information to our athletes uh going forward because we are going to see more and more um, states become legalized. We're going to see more and more, hopefully more and more information coming out of that. And I think that'll help us give the best information as much as possible. If you, if you think about our curriculums and said, well, where would we teach this in our curriculum? Well, you have the endocannabinoid system and, and that's physiology. You have, this could be in the pharmacology class. Yes. This could be in rehab. This could be in physical agents. It's a topical. This could be an ethical legal class. So you really, it's, it's appropriate to figure out where does it belong and um, teach at least our students nowadays so as they're graduating, they have a greater familiarity with it versus only their street perception, but some formal education inside. And, that, and that's important too, is the understanding between formal education and that, that, that outside the recreational, the street, you know, information that, um, that we need to get away from. We don't, we don't really, like, listen, we can talk about that later. Let's talk about the most important 
part of this topic right now so that we can become informed. If anybody would like to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you if they have questions regarding that? Well, the best way to get a hold of me is you can email me at uh, drjeffconan at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at drconan, at drconan. Awesome. K-O-N-I-N. A lot of great information here. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Sports Medicine Broadcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.